Well, hey, we're, we're going to continue in a series that we've been in for the last couple of weeks called Modern Day Disciple. How many of you enjoyed Bethany last week preaching on the community? Yeah, she was awesome. I've had to really become comfortable in my masculinity because I have a wife who's smarter than me, cooler than me, more socially relevant, and she's a better preacher. So I'm basically reduced to carrying heavy stuff. That's basically my new job description. You know, and my wife, she can even make me feel like that's a really important good thing. She's like, hey, babe, could you bring your huge muscles in and carry this in from the car? I'm like, oh, it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. Okay, I'll do it. And uh, she, she unlocked the secret. Uh, but she did a great message talk, uh, last week talking about community. If you missed it, you can go on to joyeugene.com, and on the messages tab, we have all the messages up. They're usually there by Monday evening or afternoon, and you can check into that. Uh, and I had the opportunity to share the week before on what it means to move from being a fan to a follower of Jesus. But as we continue in this series on what it means to be a modern-day disciple, we're going to look at this big word, which is kind of scary, and it's called change. Change. Look at somebody next to you and say, it's time to change. It's time to change. Yeah. Wives, don't take too much pleasure in saying that to your husband. For a lot of people, change is a dirty word, right? Change, you might, I might as well just said a bad word up here when I said change, because change is scary. I am not a natural native lover of change. How many of you are with me? You're like, you know, I had the same haircut for 10 years. I have, I've had this haircut for 10 years. Like, I just do the same thing. People, I mean, literally have to pull my cold, dead hands to change things. I don't like to change. I like to keep things the same. That's kind of how I am. And I know for a lot of people, that's change kind of always invokes this fear of, oh, change is bad. You hear people say, well, change is really hard. Well, what happens when change is good? What happens when change is going from something and going all the way to something much better? You know, Bethany and I were living in a house. It was a beautiful house. We were renting it down in the South Hills, and we had this little ice storm. Any of you remember that? In December, there's a little bit of ice, just a little bit. And we had this... Uh, huge tree fall on our house and crush our roof and we were in there and we're like ah and we immediately in that moment didn't react how you should react in crisis we ran in circles and we huddled together in a corner I wish I could say that I was like emergency commando man but that's not what happened and I think I screamed like a girl luckily we did grab the children we only left one in the house so two out of three right good batting average no we had a house not a house fall on our tree we had a tree fall on our house. And luckily for us, we actually had bought a house, and we were moving there a week later. So we got to go from this house that had a tree on top of it to a house that, thank God, did not have a tree on it. That was a good change, right? And so was there pain in the process? Yes. Was there, was there trouble uh, to pack up and move house? Yes. But we were excited to get out of what was bad to get into what was good Change isn't always bad. Change isn't always just hard. Change from something worse to something better is a good thing, right? It's a good thing. Jesus in Matthew chapter 419, he called some people to change. And we're talking about what it means to be a disciple. And Matthew 419 is a little glimpse into Jesus calling some guys 2,000 years ago into discipleship, into being a follower of his and it says in Matthew chapter 419, we'll read it together. We can think we can get it up on the screen there for you. Jesus came, came along to these guys and then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And we have this definition of discipleship here at Joy, at Joy Church that goes with four C's. It's 
Christ, community, change, and call. And so today we're going to talk about change, but the change aspect of this passage is here. Jesus said, I will make you. I will make you. When Jesus calls you to follow him, he loves you so much that he wants to take you just as you are. Can I get an amen? Amen. Maybe you came to church today and you're like, well, I don't think I'm worthy to follow Jesus. I'm a sinner. Welcome to the club. Right? Church is not a place for people that Jesus needs. It's a place for people that need Jesus. And I need Jesus today just as much as you. I don't care where you are in your life. You know, I've been a Christian since I was like four or five years old. And guess how much I need Jesus? Every much today as I did then. Come on. I'm still a sinner, saved by grace. I need Jesus. But Jesus takes us as we are. But he doesn't leave us there. He loves us enough to lead us from where he found us to the place that he wants us to be. All of us are on a journey from where we are right now and who we are right now to who we were made to be. There's this incredible, exciting adventure that Jesus calls us into, the adventure of good change. Good change. I will make you fishers of men. And many people fear the idea of change. Many people, like I said, change is a bad word to them. You know, it's said that wives, they get married and they get married wanting their husbands to change. And husbands get married hoping their wife never will. And both of us have to deal with that. (laughs) We'll just let that sink in a little bit. You know the the difference between men and savings bonds? Eventually, savings bonds mature. (laughs) So just got to have grace on us, ladies, as we go through the process of change. But I want to ask you this question today. If you're afraid of change, I want to ask you, what amazing thing could Jesus do in your life if you let him change you? Maybe you're here and you're going, well, I'm pretty good. Things are okay. I think I'm a pretty good person. I haven't murdered anybody this week. And, you know, I'm doing all right. I haven't stolen anything. And I'm not lying, you know, all the time. I'm a pretty good person. I'm fairly decent. Well, what? Or maybe you're going, no, I'm a terrible wreck. Well, what could Jesus do in your life? If you were to open up your heart and allow him to change you. I never was a fan of this show, but there was a show back in the day called Extreme Home Makeover. How many of you are like a fan of Extreme Home Makeover? And I, had to, I was asking Bethany, I was like, what's the, I remember that show Extreme Home Makeover. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, well, what was that show all about? Because I already had it in my message. She's like, don't you think you should check it out before you preach on it? <laughs> yeah, I probably should. Still maturing, right? So I was watching Extreme Home Makeover this morning on YouTube, and there's this great line, and this is what I remembered from the show. There's this great line where they have a family, they bring them in, they change their whole house, and then they put a bus in front of it, and they bring the family there, and then they say what? They say, bus driver, that bus, and they pull it away, and then they get the people, and then some of the people do these amazing leg kick dances, and they're freaking out, and they're so excited about change. Because it's good change. Because somebody who knew what to do with a situation or a circumstance or a life or whatever it was that, that they had their house, somebody who knew what they were doing got in the inside, got into the bones of that house and began to change it. And when they saw what was done, they're like, ah, freaking out. I want to let you know that Jesus wants to do an extreme home makeover in your heart. 
And when you are in that moment and you see Jesus move that bus, when other people say move that bus and they can see what Jesus has done in you, they will go, oh my gosh, this is incredible. It's mind-blowing. Changed people have the power to change the world. When Jesus changes you, when he works inside of you, when you let him get into the bones of you, the inside parts, the inner part, the heart level, when you let him get into your house and knock walls around and add closets and bathrooms and hopefully granite countertops or whatever he wants to do in your life, move that bus and you're going to say, wow, what did Jesus do? It's incredible what he can do with your life. How many of you that have allowed Jesus to begin to change you, because we're all continuing to be changed, right? But Jesus has worked some change, and you, you, you've said, wow, wow. When you look back at who you were 10 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, two weeks ago, and you say, man, look what Jesus has done in me. It's an incredible thing. Paul talked about this in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. I like how the message paraphrase says that he says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently within us. Wow. What can Jesus do with you and me? What could Jesus do? I will make you. I will change you. I will shape you. I will form you. Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. Are we going to open up our heart and allow Jesus to change us? Because changed people change the world. Changed people change the world. In Psalms 139, verse 23, we're going to lock into this text this morning and just unpack it for a while. There's a process of change. This is a beautiful psalm, Psalm 139. There's two verses in particular, verse 23 and verse 24 that we're going to look at. And there's five things out of Psalms 139, 23, and 24 that are really involved with this process of allowing Jesus to change us, okay? It says in Psalms 139, verse 23, I think I'm reading out of the NIV translation, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. There's five words I want us to key in in on here. Search, know, test, see, and lead. Search, know, test, see, and lead. These five things open us up for a process of change. The first one is this, search. Psalmist wrote, search me, God. I want to ask you a question today. Are you open for inspection? Are you open for inspection? How many of you have ever gone on an airplane ride, gone on a trip, and you go through this really fun process right before you go on the plane, right? It's kind of like Disneyland, except for the opposite of that. Actually, it's a lot like Disneyland. Both of those things like, sound like torture. But anyways, the TSA, right? TSA. And you get in line and you wait there forever. It's exactly like Disneyland now that I think about it. Yeah. You, you get in line and, and, and you wait in line and you shuffle forward and everybody's grumpy because it's five in the morning. And then you go and then they inspect you, right? They search you. They, they, get, they make you take your shoes off. And you're like, dude, you need to wash your feet. Your feet stink, dude, to the person in front of you. And somebody's like, nice Mickey Mouse socks. And you're like, oh, man, this is not fun. Being inspected is not fun, right? Being inspected is not fun. But we've gone through this process. We get it. And I don't like being inspected. I just, because I'm an introvert, I don't want people to touch me. I don't want them to put on rubber gloves and do anything to me. You know, maybe that's your, I just, that's not, I don't like it. I don't like to be inspected. 
I don't like taking my shoes off in public. I don't like having my underwear out on a table where a guy, you know, is searching through. I just don't want to do that. And so I don't like this process of inspection, but it happens. And I remember one time, you know, we were on a trip, uh, myself and Wake Up the Dawn, my band that I was in at the time, we had traveled down to Bogota, Colombia, which was a great time, but it was this great trip, but we are very tired, we're, we're kind of stressed, we're trying to get home, and we are in the Miami airport. And I'm not a big fan of Miami, the Miami airport, it's just like saturated with weird air. It's just humid and gross. Anyways, this is just my inner perception of it. So I'm sure it's a great place. (laughs) Anyways, we're in the airport, and we go through TSA. And the guy was just giving me the hardest time, and he's inspecting me, searching through my stuff. And he pulls out, out of the, uh, like a bag that we were carrying with, I think my sister's guitar, these these wire cutters that were designed to cut the strings. Now, these have gone through inspection over and over. But this zealous, and I'm glad he was doing his job, but he finds the wire cutters, and he's like, what are these? I'm a terrorist. I'm just going to be honest with you. I've come to take over this country with these wire cutters, you know. And he's like, what are these? I'm like, those are wire cutters. They're designed to cut the guitar strings. And, you know, I'm sorry. I, can we put them in? He's like, these need to be, we need to do some with these. And I'm like, I, what do you want me to do? And he's like, they have to be thrown away. And something in me snapped in that moment. And I really need Jesus to change me. This is true, true confession here. And I took those wire cutters, and I looked at him. <laughs> and I threw them in the garbage. But I chucked them like eight feet. And they hit the garbage, and we're like, do 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 And we had a moment right there. And then I felt really embarrassed, because I had a horrible attitude in that moment. But I, I don't like inspection. I don't like inspection. <laughs> Search me, God. God, take me through your process. You know, Jesus wants to open up your baggage because he wants to make sure there's nothing in there that you're not supposed to have on the journey that he wants to take you on. Why do you go through inspection with TSA? Because they want to make sure you don't have something in your bags that you're not supposed to have on the trip. Why does God want to search you? Why do we need to be open for inspection? Because he wants to get rid of anything that could be dangerous to others. He wants to get rid of anything that could hurt you, anything that you're not supposed to have on the journey. Search me, God. It's a process of change. Are you open for inspection? And he goes on, know my heart. What does your heart look like? You know, it's easy to come to church and put on skinny jeans and a cool shirt. That's up for interpretation. I think it's a cool shirt. But anyways... You can have your own cool shirt. Some people got like Mickey Mouse shirts and that's cool to them, whatever. But it's easy to put on your Sunday best and show up and smile, lift your hands. Everything's cool. Everything's good. Everything's great. What's your heart look like? Right? It's easy to put on a show, but God wants to, he he wants to get into the inner parts of you. He wants to get to the really important stuff. Being a disciple of Jesus, you are going to get inspected Jesus wants to open your bags that he wants to know you at the heart level, the place where your deepest dreams are, the place where your deepest pains are, the place where those hurts that are in you that he wants to deal with. Are you open to be inspected? Are you open to let God know your heart? The scriptures say that out of the heart flow the issues of life. And that's the part that God wants to get inside of and know. Lord, search me, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. 
Man, you don't like to be inspected. You don't like to be searched. How many of you like taking tests? Now, I'm actually a weirdo, and I love taking tests. Will you please just analyze me? Please, right? Do I have to get a good grade? I love it, okay? So when I was a kid, I loved taking tests. But a lot of people, how many of you, that's just, you'd rather have a lobotomy than take a test, right? <laughs> so we have two options for you here today. You can either take a test, or we can cut out all your, your, your teeth. I'm going to have all my teeth taken out. You know, that's where some people are at. And, and yet the psalmist says, test me. Put me to the test. Look, search through my bags. Know my innermost secrets. Know my deepest heart. And test me. Is there evidence of growth. You know, a lot of people say, well, God doesn't care what you do. He just cares about your heart. That is a very dangerous statement. Because if God gets into your heart, I guarantee you, he's going to get everything else. Right? It's kind of, my wife wants us to get a dog right now, and I'm just, I'm resisting this because I know how it works. No, no, I'll take care of the dog. No, no, no. Once the dog comes in, it's in everything, right? There's hair everywhere. There's fecal matter everywhere. It chewed my remote. Now I can't watch the ducks. You know, once you let Jesus in, he's got it all. People say, well, you know, God just looks at your heart. What does that really mean? He's going to put you to the test. He wants to see, is there evidence of growth? Is there fruit? If I'm a follower of Jesus, where's the beef? Right? Where's the fruit? Where's the evidence that's there? When you're asking Jesus to change you, when you're saying, I'm submitting myself to this process of change, there's testing. I hate testing when it comes in life. You're like, man, there's a really hard thing going on, and I want to do the wrong thing, but this is a test. I need to, I need to let the Jesus, what he, the change that he's worked in me, come out and, and be evidenced in my life. There's testing in this process of change. It's like at the end of every school year when you had to take your CATs or SATs or whatever test that you had to take in school, they want to know, your teacher wants to know, are you where you should be? See, a lot of Christians are like, yeah, I'm totally open to God. Well, can you be tested? Well, no, I, it's, you know, it's about my heart. It's not about what I do. Well, do you go to joy group? No, 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 I don't have time for that. Um, okay, you don't have time for community? What else? What do you have time for? What's a priority? You know, if you're saying, I want to be changed by Jesus, I want him to move that bus, and I want to see the results, am I willing to be put to the test? I know it's a hard thing. But where's the fruit in your life? When's the last time you told somebody about Jesus? When's the last time you prayed with passion about something, about anything, other than getting the right parking spot? You know, we pray over our food every day like there's diseases in it. You know, we, maybe you could skip the dinner prayer and pray for a lost soul. Where Jesus wants to come and take a look. Take a look, test, put me to the test. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me. Let me ask you this. Are you living a see-through life? Are you transparent? I had a conversation a couple weeks ago, and somebody asked me a question, and I was like, I don't want to answer that. And I did. Because I, I don't want to be occluded. I don't, I, I don't want to have a life that is opaque. I, I want to have a see-through life. And I'm not great at this. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm actually re- very introverted, and I don't really like to let people in on the inside. I don't like people to see through me. But, but let me just tell you right now that if nobody can see through you, there's, that's a danger zone. You know, if your husband or your wife can't see right through your life, see right through you. You know what I mean? Not that you, there's nothing inside of you. What I mean is, are, are, is, there, is there a blockade? Is there a guardedness there that needs to come down where you say, look, it's not all good. 
It's not all bad. It just is what it is. But, this, but you can see me, right? You can see me. I'm transparent. Are you living a see-through life? Search, know, test, see. And then last in this process of change, lead. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I want to ask you this question. In your life, who's the boss? Oh, it's Jesus. It's God. It's Jesus. No, no. I mean, ask, who is the boss? Who makes the final call in your life? Who is it? Is it you? Because for most of us, the answer is I make the final call. I decide. Even the way we talk about faith, oh, I chose Jesus. Really? Because he did an awful lot to get you to that place where you could decide it for him. I think he chose us a long time before we chose him. Who's the boss? Well, you know, I, I think that I'm going to decide to do, to, to do this business decision. And following Jesus is about lordship. Lordship is a word we don't like. Hashtag not my president. Hashtag not, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Everybody's done this in the last eight years. One way or the other. Republican, Democrat, Green Party, you know, whatever you are. Not making it political. What I'm saying is that we don't necessarily, if we don't agree, we don't have to abide by what it is. That's a wrong attitude. Jesus, hashtag not my savior. Nobody likes that one. But everybody at times likes hashtag not my Lord. Oh, Jesus, I want your salvation. I thank you so much for forgiving me my sins and making me new from the inside out. And then he comes and he says, yeah, what about that area right there? I want to work there. And well, no, 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 that door's shut. We're not open for business here. Oh, but God, I love you. I love you. I love you. No, no, no. Let me just tell you right now. The scripture says that love and leadership are interconnected. There cannot be love without leadership. Here's what I mean by this. In 1 John 5, 3, John, the disciple that Jesus loved. Okay, John and Jesus had a loving relationship. And John said, listen, let me just break this down for you. He said, loving God means keeping his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. In other words, it's not this legalistic, religious, ritualized thing, but what he's saying is if you love him, you're going to follow him. It'd be like me saying to my wife, Bethany, I really love you. You know, I know that I've been cheating on you with this other woman, but I, but I really love you my, in my heart. She said, no, your actions tell me something very different. I just want us to bring this together, not in a religious way, not a legalistic way, but bring this together Search, no, test, see, but it comes down to this, lead me. God, I'm, I'm an open book to you. Jesus, you want to make me a fisher of men. It starts with you changing me from the inside out, so I'm open to you. Inspect me, know my heart, put me to the test, challenge me. Look right through me. I'm not trying to cover up, put makeup on my, my life. I'm just, this is who I am. But then it comes down to this issue of lordship. Will you put your sword down and say, I'm going to give everything to Jesus and let him lead me? Who's the boss? Is Jesus leading in my life? It's a big challenge, isn't it? It's a big challenge. It means reprioritizing some things. It means saying, Jesus, what job should I really work at? Jesus, should I really be in this relationship with this guy or this girl? Is this a Christ honoring? Is this honoring to you? Is this what you want me to do? Letting Jesus lead. 
is a huge step of faith, but it will always pay off. Because when he moves that bus, ooh, you're going to like what your life looks like. Not just because you're going to be a better person. It's because you're going to be a more unified, whole, healed, healthy, beautiful person that he made you to be. See, it's about us turning the keys over to the original designer saying, you understand me better than I understand myself. One of the deepest deceptions of sin is that we get ourselves. Scripture tells us who can know the heart. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all else. Who can know it? The only person that can truly know your heart, the only person you can trust with your heart is Jesus. But as we talk about change, it's so easy to fall into this mindset of, oh, we're going to change ourselves. It's the gospel of moralism. Oh, if I just do better, do better, do better, God will accept me. No, God accepts you as you are. Jesus gave his life for you and for me when we were still sinners. Can I get an amen? The best news you'll ever hear in your life is the good news of the gospel, which is that the creator of heaven and earth, almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing, offered himself, became a man and offered himself just to, to have a relationship with you, to rescue you, redeem you, from your sin and your selfishness. And so when we talk about change, it has to start with this gospel message. And let me just say this. Jesus changes us. We don't change ourselves. Because maybe you're hearing this message and you're like, I need to work harder. No, no, turn that thought off right now. You don't need to work harder. The harder you work, the harder you'll fall. The harder you'll fail. Well, I'm going to try really hard to stop looking at pornography. No, you're going to fail. Well, I'm going to try really hard to stop drinking too much. I'm going to try really hard. You're going to fail because you can't change yourself. You don't have the power. The only person that can change your heart is the one who made your heart. The one who lovingly formed you and crafted you in your mother's womb. Let me just tell you right now, you're not time plus slime plus chance. You're not, you're not just dancing to the tune of your DNA. You were lovingly formed and created by the highest intelligence in the universe, who created the universe, who literally spoke it into existence out of nothing and said, let there be. And God made everything with his words, but he bent down into the dirt and he's, you are the only thing in creation that he formed with his hands. You are a handmade creation, lovingly crafted. And so you can't change yourself. You got to go back to the, o, the OG, the original God, right? The original gangster you got to go back to the original designer and say, I'm going to turn everything over to you. Human change is all about fruit removal, picking fruit off the tree. Divine change, God's kind of change, is about root renewal. Think about that. When we change ourselves, we're just picking apples off an apple tree. You're not going to grow oranges off that tree, no matter how many apples you pick, it off, pick off of it. When God changes us, he changes you from the root. He changes you from the heart level, and now you produce different fruit because your heart is different. Jesus can change us. Jesus alone can change our heart. And you can trust him to change you. You can trust to let him into that deep place. Right now, I, I just feel there's people that have pain. There's a father that molested you or abused you. There's a uh, someone you trusted, maybe a pastor, a religious leader, and they, they used the authority that, that you offered to them or that God put them in and they abused you. They, they let you down. But you're not called to put your trust in any person. You're called to put your trust in Jesus. My dad had a, a thing he would tell me when it came to business. He said, 
Don't ever go into business with someone who's not willing to bleed. What he meant was, when you come into a business transaction, if all the risk is on one side, it's not a good place to be. You want to do business with somebody where both of you are willing to bleed. Both of you are willing to sacrifice. There's a mutual joining together there. And that just makes me think about Jesus. You can trust him because he was willing to bleed. You think about Jesus. It says in Romans chapter 5 that while we were still sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. While you were still in a state of active rebellion against God, he gave everything. He bled. He literally bled for you and for me. And that's someone you can trust to change your heart. And I'll just tell you right now, no matter where you turn, no matter how many channels you subscribe to, you're never going to find the answer apart from Jesus. No matter how many blogs you read, you're never going to find the answer apart from Jesus. The only answer for root renewal, for heart level, real change, changed people, changed the world, the only place you're going to find that is in the person of Jesus. And today I want you to put your faith, I want to invite you to put your faith and trust in Jesus. If you're here today and you're not a follower of Jesus, this is your moment. Scripture says today is the day of salvation. You're like, wasn't that written 2,000 years ago? Yeah, the good news is he's open for business every day. Today is the day of salvation. Well, what do I need to do? Do I need to take a class? Do I need to uh, uh, clean my life up, maybe get off drugs? No, no, let me just tell you right now, what you need to do is put your faith in Jesus. And just say, I give up. I'm not going to do it my own way. I'm not going to keep trying on my own. I'm just going to give it to Jesus. Search me. Know me. Test me. See me. Lead me. Change me. Just open your life and you put your trust in Jesus.